Moses is just going to, I think you can just grab one of those microphones and share what you have and then take us into it. Um, can I just say the worship was amazing. Not, I'm not saying the music was beautiful, it was, but the worship was amazing. You know, because it was anointed and that's what we need. So well done to the band. I don't know about you, but I was just in tears, you know, when we were singing, you are my one thing. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You know, give me Jesus. I think some of you have options. Some of us don't. Hmm. All we have is Jesus. I just have Jesus. Some people have a plan B. I just have Jesus. Jesus. I think some people say, oh, I'll do this, and if it fails, I'll try Jesus, and if he's, you know, then I'll go to this. No, we just have Jesus. His plan A and plan B, and plan C, and plan Z. <laughs> the Lord laid a song on my heart this morning. I haven't sung it in ages, but it was ringing in my heart. And so I felt like he was asking me to sing it this morning. So I'll sing it. Maybe Kurt can help me with the keys, I don't know. the song in ages or sang it we'll just sing the chorus you can join me if you know it if you don't it's okay just close your eyes and bless the Lord and I will serve no foe Rain God or any other treasure for you were my heart's desire, the spirit without measure, and to your will I will. I will bring my sacrifice. Or any other treasure. Spirit 
serve no foreign God or any other for you were my heart's desire you're the love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Let this song be true of our hearts, that you are our one thing, you are our everything, just you, Jesus, just you, Jesus. A few months ago, I arrived in um, 
in Uganda, I arrived at my house, actually, which is just down the road from our mission space. And um, my friend was waiting to talk to me. I'd been traveling for many hours, about 27 hours. I was pretty tired, but she really wanted to talk to me because she said she had the word of the Lord. And I, I really honor her ability to hear God's voice. And when she says that, I listen, because it probably is. So I'm like, okay. So she came in, and, and I sat down with her. And she said, Nicola, a few weeks ago, I was in my home, and the Lord asked me a question. And the question was, her name is Harriet. He said, Harriet, what... Do you, what do I, sorry, what do I, Jesus, are we okay? Yeah. What do I, Jesus, call every life? Do you know what I call every life? This is the name of our ministry. Harriet, do you know what I, Jesus, call every life? Do you know what I, Jesus, call Yavel, which is our network? And she said, no, Lord. (laughs) And he said, I do not call them a church. I do not call them a ministry. I do not call them a movement. I do not call them a network. I call them an altar. Tell Nicola, be careful how you approach it. That was a word. And she said to me, she's got a finger, you know, a prophetic (laughs) finger. And she said to me, Nicola, be careful. Because how you approach a job... Or how you approach a role within a ministry can be very different to how you approach an altar. And she said to me, make sure you approach it well. I felt the fear of the Lord in that moment. And I went home and I was back in the UK and I was praying, you know, just processing it and and asking the Lord to help me understand the word because... It means something. Everything looks like something. I'm like, okay, what, what does this mean, Jesus? Help me, help me. And I was on my knees and I was, you know, praying, Lord, help me. Give me some revelation. Give me some understanding. And my phone beeped and it was my friend and it just said, Nicola, Ezra 3. So I grabbed my Bible, not going to lie, didn't know much about Ezra, <laughs> haven't read it often. So I grabbed my Bible and, and this morning I, I felt the Lord had given me this word from Ezra 3 for you and I was just asking the Holy Spirit for confirmation actually and I was just hanging out down here with Mimi and Malachi before the meeting and we were looking at your Bible, weren't we Malachi? And I said, well, what bit are you reading? And he was reading the book of Ezra. <laughs> so I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit, thank you, Malachi. Um, so Ezra 3 is, is a really interesting passage of scripture to set the scene for you what's happened is the israelites are returning from captivity from exile they've come back in they're gathering in jerusalem and they're standing amongst the ruins of the temple so all around them the temple is just is just broken is completely devastated and they're standing in the foundations of the old temple and they want to see the temple rebuilt again It's such an interesting moment. So this is the moment that we find ourselves in. Returned from exile, gathered in Jerusalem, standing on the ruins of the temple, surrounded by just the foundation stones. That's all that's left. It's gone. And they want to rebuild. So what do they do? If you turn your Bibles to it, it starts. I love this. It starts Ezra 3 verse 1. It says, in the seventh month of the year. I love these little bits of detail. They're there for a reason. And it's really, it's worth taking our time to dig into the detail. You see, the seventh month of the year, this was the month that signified the beginning of the new year within the Jewish calendar. 
This was seen as a month. The seventh month was the, was the month of new beginnings. It was the month of new start. It was the month of a new thing. And so they're here in this moment of new beginnings, the seventh month of the year, and they're standing on the ruins of the temple and they're wondering what to do next. And all around them is basically devastation and they have a decision to make. What are they going to do? Are they going to rebuild the old temple? follow the old map of the old foundations and rebuild the old temple or are they going to do something new? This is their challenge. This is, this is their question, I think, from the Lord. And what's so interesting, you know, my, my friend Nicola, Ezra 3, and I'm reading it through, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. What are they going to do? And do you know what they do? Instead of rebuilding on the old foundations, they build an altar over the top of them. That's interesting. That got my attention. I'm like, okay. They built an altar over the top of the old foundations. And then for two years, every morning and every evening, they came and they offered burnt sacrifices on it. Burnt offerings. Every morning and every evening. This was their strategy to see the temple rebuilt. There's something in here, I think, for us as the church to learn. In this moment, I would say that we find ourselves in nationally as the church and globally as the church. I think it's not difficult to recognize ourselves in this scenario. There is a lot of rubble around There is a lot of brokenness. There is a lot of devastation. The temple has been shaken. Things have begun to fall apart. It's been quite devastating, actually, at at times for us as the church. And and we have a decision to make. And and I think, and this is actually theologically incorrect, but but bear with me because I'm making a point. it, It is more important now than ever to make sure we are a people who are about building altars and not building temples. It's always been as important, but you get the point that I'm making. Right now, the global church, we as the church, you as Numa Church, you have a choice to make. Are you going to start to rebuild and all the devastation that's happening around us, the old foundations up again, or are you going to lean into the new thing that God wants to do through you or through the church? This is not just a Numa specific word, but I felt it was actually for you this morning. We have to learn how to build altars, not temples, and Obviously, I'm not talking about like building an external altar. That would just be a bit weird. But it's about, it's about an internal one, right? It's about the altar of our hearts. We always say you can only reproduce who you are. It's just true. If I don't build an altar in my heart, then I will not build an altar in my ministry. It's so important. It's so important. If I don't build an altar in my heart, I won't build an altar in my family or my neighborhood or my community. And I just keep hearing the Lord saying to me over and over, it's time. It's time to return to the Lord once again. It's time to return to the Lord once again. It's time for Jesus to be plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. One thing, last year at um, our, our 
networks like Leadership Weekend Away. We were in Germany, and my friend Norbert, he's amazing. He's very apostolic. He leads a whole movement in, in um, Romania. And he stood up, and he said that he had a word from the Lord for us in the room. And so we we're all excited, you know, because we love that. And he said, the Lord says, he's big, isn't he? He's like big. He's a bit like herbs. He's kind of big, you know. And he's like, the Lord says, this is the year of the dead. And we were like, ooh. <laughs> and there was like a, yay. <laughs> you know? This is the year of the dead. Oh, I felt the fear of the Lord. I'm like, that's the word of the Lord. It, it was the word of the Lord. And we're getting together a couple of week, weekends ago. We were getting together again like a year later, you know. And I'm preparing and I'm praying. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. If it last year was the year of the dead, what's this year? You know, I'm excited for the next word that's to come that maybe is a little bit more comfortable. And I'm like, Lord, what's the word for this year? And I just felt the smile of Jesus. And it was just like, oh, sweetheart. (laughs) This was never a seasonal word. This is the word of your life. This is the year of the dead, the eternal year of the dead. We have to learn how to build an altar every day and then lay down on it. With all that we are and all that we have laid down at the feet of Jesus. Because then what we find, this is what we find. We build the altar over the broken down foundations of our life. And we lay ourselves upon it day after day after day after day. Morning and evening we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And then what happens is the altar becomes the foundation. And the Lord begins to build the temple. And suddenly we actually have what he wants and not what we wanted in place. This is, this is really important for you to understand. We have to become people who are busy building an altar and not building a temple. The Lord will do that bit for us. We don't need to worry about that bit. He will raise it up. We have to go low. You understand your position. Yours is down there and his is up there. This is how it works. This is what he wants to do. Matthew chapter 5, turn to Matthew chapter 5 in your Bible. This scripture, I mean, it laid me out on my office floor a few months ago, and it's kind of kept me there. I had been asked to go and speak at my friend's church on revival and the poor. And I was like, oh, this is an interesting... I kind of knew instinctively where they wanted me to go, and I knew instinctively the Holy Spirit was going to go somewhere else. And... (laughs) I was preparing to to speak on revival in the poor, and I'd been studying once again the Azusa Street Revival. Who knows about the Azusa? I mean, this is extraordinary. This revival is extraordinary. And I'd been reading how the place, the building where the Azusa Street Revival broke out was a broken old down building that previously had been owned by a church. I think it was the Episcopalian Church. But it was a broken down old building in a broken down old area <clears throat> and the church had decided to move out in pursuit of a nicer building in a nicer area. Interesting decision. Intr- I just wonder what the Lord felt about that. But anyway, they moved out, and this building was empty, so William Seymour comes along, he's like, I'll take it. 
And this building was different, you know, had different floors, and the, and the ground floor was where they would house the stables that they would travel on, you know, so it's just sawdust and dirt and, and horse poo and all this stuff, you know, this is just the ground floor. And then the next floor was where the old church had had their, you know, their nice clean meetings. William Seymour moves in, and he just begins to meet in the bottom floor. They haven't got anything. They've just about managed to rent the building. They move in, and they start to meet in the dirt, Oh, it's very interesting. There's something in this for us to learn. They start to meet in the dirt. And suddenly, we find that a humble old stable, once again, becomes a birthplace for the Lord to come and move in power. Suddenly, it's like this this old abandoned barn, this broken down old building, this dirty old stable becomes a place where a move of God will begin that will touch the entire world. We still get to sit in the legacy of it today, right now, even in this meeting. It's so, it's so moving to me. And I I was reading this as I was reading Matthew chapter 5. Let's read it, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying... Blessed are the poor in spirit... For theirs is the kingdom. Yes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And I got stuck there. I just, I couldn't move on. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean? It's like blessed are those who understand their true internal poverty. You want to talk about revival and the poor? We're talking about ourselves. Blessed are those who understand their true hunger. Blessed are those who understand their true thirst. Blessed are those who understand their utter need and dependency for him as their source in all things at all times. Blessed are those who understand they are nothing more than a stable. That's you and me. For theirs, theirs is the kingdom Blessed are those who know what it means to go low, that Jesus would be lifted high. Blessed are those who know how to build an altar rather than a temple. Oh, help us, Holy Spirit, help us, help us. This is my prayer all of the time right now. Help me, Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help us. Help me know what it actually means every day to build an altar. We need his help. And it's interesting because if you go back to Ezra 3, they, they, they build the altar over the old foundations. They make their burnt offerings and then suddenly things begin to happen. And you just read the story. I haven't got time to go into it all. But read the story and suddenly the building starts to come. And it's so interesting because the temple does end up being rebuilt but it tells us that it looked quite different to the old temple. And it's so fascinating because it says 50% of the people were rejoicing with this kind of the building of this new temple, this new thing that God was doing. And 50% of the people went into mourning because they longed for the old temple. 
They wanted to go back to the old way, to the old model, to the old system, to the old structure, to the past move. We cannot camp out at a past move of God. You understand that. The cloud is always on the move and we have to learn how to follow him. And so you've got 50% are rejoicing and 50% are mourning. And it says the volume was so loud, you couldn't tell which one was which. It was just like, wow. And there's a key for us in there, particularly as leaders. There's a key there for us. Because not everyone will celebrate the new thing that God wants to do amongst you. Not everyone will understand it. Not everyone will celebrate it. Not everyone will agree with it. And we have to decide that we don't care. Because we're about the kingdom business and we're about the Lord building his temple, building his throne in the way that he wants to do it in this day, in this moment, in our lifetime. And it might look different and it might poke religion, but, but I'm okay with that. It might be offensive. When I, when I wrote my book, Turning Tables, my publisher wrote to me when I sent him my first manuscript draft, and he said, can we have a phone call? And I'm like, oh, sure. And he said, Nick, I want you to understand something. This book is beautiful, but I don't think many people are going to like it very much because it makes, it's a very uncomfortable read, and I, and I just want to make sure that you are aware that many people in the church are going to come up, up against your book. And their voices are going to get loud. He said, as your publisher, I'm totally fine with that. I'm just making sure you are. I said, I'm fine. I don't care about offending people if I'm offending them for the right reason. We have to choose not to care. We have to choose to say, Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Let it be. And we trust the consequences of it into his hands. And then he deals with that. Right? Not everyone is going to celebrate. And and, and Ezra 3, I I don't know, you should spend some time digging into it. It really, it gives us some amazing keys, I think, in it all. This is the thing. This is what Herb's says to me often, the thing is, at the end of the day, however much sacrifice or cost or challenge it will be to build the kingdom, we're yes people. We're just yes people. It's a done deal anyway. The Lord can pretty much ask anything. I'm going to say yes because I've just decided I'm a yes person. We need to be yes people. I was... In my office again recently, I was just, you know, I was just moving around, just having a worship in time with the Lord, and it was so lovely in his presence, you know, I was just in his presence, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I love you, and I heard the Lord speak, just like, boom, you know how he does sometimes, boom, and he said, Nicola, you need to get better at learning how to embrace fear, and I was like, hmm, I need a scripture reference for that. Because that doesn't feel very biblical. You know what I mean? I'm like, ooh. Uh, sometimes the enemy can actually be very good at uh, imitating the voice of the Lord. And we need to be careful. So I'm like, okay. Jesus helped me understand. I've written it down. So he said to me this. I want you to learn better how to embrace fear. But the right kind of fear. Fear of man. Fear of religion. Fear of what other people say will lead you down a dangerous path, but the fear of the Lord will be for you the beginning of wisdom. 
The fear of the Lord will keep you safe. The fear of the Lord will keep you on the right path. And the fear of the Lord will keep you building an altar, not a temple. I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm okay with that, you know. (laughs) What the Lord is doing right now in in the church, actually, in the world, but at the moment, I'm talking about in the church, is a holy thing. It is a returning to him. It is a letting go of the old. It is a stepping into the new. And it is a recognizing that many of our traditions and our practices and our cultures aren't actually gospel. They're just nice. And he's done with that. It's time to dismantle some things. I know you've been talking about that. And it just, it just excites my heart because you're on it. You get it. You're doing it. You're building an altar here. I'm just, I'm just here not to tell you something you don't really know, but to say, keep going, church, because you're doing great. Remember, it's all about an altar, not a temple. I just want to pray. We've got five minutes. Let's stand up and let's just invite Holy Spirit to come. Moses, come back up here with me a minute, please. I'll we'll take us back into that song in a second. I will serve no foreign God. Yeah. Let's just, let's just close our eyes and if you feel comfortable, let's just hold out our hands just as an invitation. There's nothing clever or, or spooky about this posture. It's just, it just helps us remember that we need to receive something. And it's a good way of saying, and I recognize that, Lord, here I am. And I'm just going to ask very simply for the Holy Spirit to come and we're going to wait. And he's going to start to come and anoint some of you. I actually think he's going to come and break some things off some of us this morning. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Come and fill the room right now. I know you're already here, but I ask you to come in power and to move amongst your people. Come Holy Spirit. Now let's just wait. Let's just wait. We honor your presence. Holy Spirit, come. Some of you can feel like a weight, like as if a heavy weight is just resting gently upon you. It's just the presence of the Lord. Just receive it. Just let him come. More Holy Spirit. More of you. Some of you, your, your, your hands are beginning just to shake. It's just okay. It's just, it's just the presence of the Lord. He's just anointing you. Just let it come. More. More of you, Holy Spirit. Fill the room. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us, we pray. Help us, we pray. We can't do it without you. Help us, we pray. (laughs) 
feeling like you just need to respond to the Lord this morning and it's simple really isn't it it's just Lord make me an altar I'm just going to invite you to come out from your chairs and fill the space and Moses will lead us again but come now and let's just let's just position ourselves once again before the Lord so if you feel like you just need to respond if you if you don't want to come out it's totally fine but there's space here for us just to take a few minutes and ask him, help us. Help me, Holy Spirit. My life would be an altar. That my heart would be an altar. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit, we pray. There's still space down here. It's just you, Jesus. It's just you, Jesus. For you were my heart's desire. The spirit without measure. To your name. I will bring my sacrifice. Sing it from your heart. I will serve no foreign God. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week. And remember you're loved.